We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the college edition, brought to you by NoHalftime.com. I'm John McKechnie, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy and resident college football guru, Mario Puig. Mario, what's going on, man? I'm sick. Uh, I feel like this entire office is just... Yeah, I don't it, think anyone in the office is spared right now. It's actually really kind of bleak and disgusting working here at the moment, because it's just everybody's just coughing, and yeah, it's a... Uh, <laughs> You know it's bad when like the, we've had to like change out the communal like tissue box in the hallway like a couple times already this week. Like, yeah, it, this is worse than like a daycare or something. Like it's just 
it's just a kindergarten class or something. It's like you'd think that we were a bunch of like dumb children just like spitting on everything and putting our hands like on crusty, things we shouldn't. Crusty like upper just lip. Just grabbing pens and like putting them in our mouths <laughs> and then putting them back down. Yeah, so that's the professional environment over here at the Rotowire office. Um, so going pretty well so far this week, obviously. Um, but we're going to take it back to last weekend's uh, slate of games, uh, break down kind of what stood out to us, uh, starting off, as always, with our weekly Lamar Jackson is God update. Um, didn't even have his sharpest game, but still had seven touchdowns. I mean, what, what more can you really say? Stock down. Yeah, stock plummeting heading into the Clemson game. You know, uh, you know they were playing against Marshall. Uh, they had a pretty easy go of it. Uh, Marshall didn't have their starting quarterback, I don't believe. So, I mean, Louisville was able to just sort of go, go through the motions. Yeah, yeah have, a, have a nice West Virginia practice, sort of how like the, the Saints do in uh, at the Greenbrier or whatever during the summer. Um, then moving on uh, to my beloved Georgia Bulldogs, um, who got the paint tanked off of them uh, by Ole Miss last week. I mean, what all did you see there that that like – really stood out to you like can any of this be fixed i wasn't able to see much of it because i was i was doing the radio on saturday but uh yeah it, it was like one of those things where it's like every time i glance at the tv it's like oh uh, they gave up two more touchdowns and uh they didn't really seem to get much back for themselves but uh i don't know i guess there there wasn't any realistic chance of beating a team with like a senior quarterback like kelly and, and the offense that they have at mississippi uh, especially when Georgia, you know, kind of uh, – they lost Chubb early in the game, or relatively anyway. Right, yeah, end of the first but... half. And, you know, they weren't moving it even with him. You know, kind of like one, right. of the, one of the things that we had talked about on last week's pod was, you know, maybe – uh, Chubb will be able to gash them on his on his cutback ability. Uh, Ole Miss was able to snuff that out pretty easily, and they also you know built a lead. So Eason had to throw it a bunch, and he made uh, he definitely looked like a true freshman uh, against that Ole Miss defense. That, yeah, his like yards per attempt dropped, I think, three yards after uh, that game. So yeah, so that just uh, that went poorly. Um, I think they're going to struggle again this week against Tennessee, especially if Tennessee kind of brings that same heat that they, that they had in the second half. Uh, last week uh, yeah I didn't get to see that either what exactly happened there because like I, I've never seen I, I like Josh Dobbs but I've never seen him throw the ball well like ever and uh it seems like he must have done that because yeah. I don't think they're gonna run on Florida it was it was um it was just like the most insane 180 I've seen I mean the the Vols were getting booed off the field in their own stadium <laughs> le- uh leaving the the first half uh you know everyone like I think the AGC like posted an article like during halftime about like internet has fun with failing Tennessee and then all of a sudden they just come out they they get some stops they make they make Austin Appleby remind everyone that he is Austin Appleby mm. um so so that started to the defense started to generate some momentum and then Dobbs hit this hit this play down the right sideline uh where I forget if it was Malone or Jennings that got just wide open on on uh, the Florida cornerback, uh, he barely was able to bring it in, but he did, and then he just you know went down the sideline for the score. Uh, so that kind of you know reignited things. Then he hit uh, I think Wolf for for a really nice kind of floated in there uh, touchdown over the middle, and then you know from there like the it was like an avalanche of just Tennessee from there. Well, yeah, I was surprised to see that it's it's unbelievable that Florida lost that game given the box score that Appleby had, and like McIlwain is I don't I don't know how we, like. Not to say, like, you know, uh, Appleby would have had good coaching at Purdue. Right. But 
Man, he was bad. He was really bad at Purdue, and they they got him to do like 300 yards, three touchdowns, one interception against Tennessee in a spot start on a team that he he was in. You know, Will Greer and Treon Harris histories go slightly differently. He's their fourth quarterback this year. Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, that's crazy. So that that was uh, that that was really surprising. Uh, you know, we'll kind of get into what we think happens when those two uh, meet on Saturday. Um, kind of the, some of the bigger news for us. Les Miles and uh, his trusty sidekick, Cam Cameron, both kicked to the curb. We got Coach Ed Orgeron, uh, the king of being an interim head coach. Uh, he's now in the fold uh, as, as LSU's new interim guy. Um, where I, I where do they go from here? Uh, I doubt they'll get, like, much out of, you know, the Orgeron thing. Like, he's a, a, he, he's a good guy to, you know, make your coach when you don't have one. But right. uh, yeah, Les Miles. I I don't know how he was so uniquely inept as to get this result so far this year. Cam Cameron, I I can understand more easily because he's just the worst ever. But like Miles, I thought I don't know. I, I didn't take him for any more than average as a coach. But like pretty clearly, I mean, if you get this kind of return in four games from a roster like LSU has, I you, you got to be below average. Um, he certainly great had recruiter, been at least, but mm-hmm. man, that is pitiful what they are right now. Yeah. It'll, it'll be, you know, really interesting to see kind of how that coaching search, uh, winds up because LSU, you know, they've had the fortune of having Saban and, and miles for the last, you know, like decade, decade and a half. But before then it w- wasn't that great of a job. So they're going to need to, you know, make sure that their hires a home run to be able to kind of keep up the momentum, especially on the recruiting trail. Uh, I think Tom Herman is obviously like the the sexy pick that everyone's talking about, but I don't know why he would leave Houston. Man. I don't he's, know either. He's just he's got like this 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 power void in in the middle of the country where he can just like make Houston this new just yeah, powerhouse. It's, it, it's his kingdom. It's it's yeah. amazing, especially in like if they get into the Big Twelve, then like there really is no reason for him to leave. He like can the just Big Twelve would be he would, they would be the best team in the Big Twelve right now. So it's yeah, like but yeah, he might as well fair just, margin. He just take over that whole region. That's what I'm saying. And everything west of it um i think you and i both have to eat a little bit of crow uh when it comes to wisconsin i don't know what you're talking about i haven't been surprised by anything wisconsin's done this year uh like i I was just you know the georgia state game i was like oh they're gonna be looking ahead to michigan state and georgia state's obviously pretty good so this they might only win this by six or seven even though it's a 34 point spread (laughs) uh lsu and michigan state were obvious pushovers so yeah, I uh, I was obviously not expecting a D'Antonio team to just fold like that. Um, not to deny credit to Wisconsin, like this is this is weird actually. How uh, every game but Georgia State anyway. Uh, Paul Chris' game plans have been awesome. Like I've, yeah. I can't believe it because like I I mean it's not like I, I I watched them religiously before this year, but I watched a lot of them and. I've seen Paul Christ at Pittsburgh, and I especially remember his offenses under Brett Bielema. Creativity was not really a thing that they displayed, but uh, I don't know if it's just they did some book learning this offseason or, like, he wanted to do these things all along, and Alvarez was finally convinced, like, Coach, let's not just run the I-formation every play. Uh, and then, you know, Christ had all these, you know, diagrams and things that he's finally able to get to work with in practice. But, um yeah, I don't know. It's wacky. They're they're obviously got they're they're borderline amazing defense. Yeah, Hornibrook no drop off. Yeah, Hornibrook is probably a bit limited, but generally he's shown a playmaking knack at quarterback and very early on. Yes, so uh, he's 
looks like he could be quite good, really, especially by Wisconsin standards. Uh, if Corey Clement's healthy, he's he's playing at a really high level right now. So uh, with that said, and keep in mind, I haven't been wrong about anything about Wisconsin so far this year. I think Michigan's going to beat them pretty easily. I kind of feel the same way, too. I mean, just going to double down on it. But, yeah, I will say that uh, Wisconsin, uh, they really did surprise me, not just by by going into uh, East Lansing and and beating beating Michigan State by 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 the, more than the spread but I mean really just kind of destroying them uh, I think moving kind of a little bit into our disappointments of the week it, it kind of shows that that I took too much from that Michigan State Notre Dame game I think because I thought yeah. that that was like okay wow Michigan State really is you know like they're not going to drop off a lot and then you realize that Notre Dame you know it, they lost to Texas. Texas, like, that was just a great game from Texas. And then Notre Dame comes out this week, lays an egg against Duke See, at that home. would have been useful a week ago or two. Right. Like, if, they had, if it had been, like, Michigan State beats uh, the Notre Dame team that lost to Duke, who lost to Wake Forest, I would have been like, eh, Wisconsin might win this. But yeah. I thought it was like, oh, Michigan State's good, you guys. They're at home. Wisconsin's got this new quarterback and the running backs are all hurt and uh, they almost lost to Georgia State who's like a bottom five team in the country yep um very very different uh data to consider in that scenario but uh, I don't know I probably still would have fallen for it and been like no way man D'Antonio he's gonna he's gonna win on the he's just gonna fake punt them to death in the second half if he needs to exactly and then obviously in the in the same neck of the woods of the firing business and among the coaching ranks uh Notre Dame uh canned Brian Van Gorder and I, I just kind of came to the realization that Brian Van Gorder is like the monorail salesman from the Simpsons where like he he goes around from town to town and like takes all their money and just leaves it in ruin because uh, he's done that with like the Georgia, the Falcons. Oh, I don't know this uh, man. Yeah, um, he's been around. He's been around. He's gone. He's gotten several like big jobs, and he just like leaves them all he, to in just ruin. He and Cam Cameron should go be co-head coach of like um, I don't know some some place that sucks. I don't know, but like yeah, that that'd be a, a great situation for them. Uh, did you see how Cam Newton was dressed exactly like that monorail guy after that game the other day? That was Off that topic, that but... was fantastic. It was like a mix of that slash uh, the Planners Peanut Man. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it, he looked. I thought he, he looked, looked awesome. exactly like the monorail guy. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So uh, what do we got next here? Florida State. Uh, they're they're better than South Florida. It turns out. Yep, and it was good to see just Dalvin be Dalvin again because he hadn't really had had like the quintessential Dalvin game yet this year and he just goes out and just rips him to shreds. I think he would have had one against Mississippi if he hadn't inexplicably thrown the ball out of that, the that was out strange. of the stadium while he was running for a touchdown. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, that this week the or the most recent game against South Florida is definitely more in line with expectations. Definitely. Um let's see some other disappointments. I made the point to uh, somebody in the office the other day about Iowa where I think that them only beating Rutgers by a touchdown is is more concerning slash disappointing than them losing to North Dakota State at home. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I went off track from the outline. We, did we skip Dalvin or am I forgetting things? Oh, uh, no, we, we got him. Okay, anyway, we're in the disappointments. Yes. Um uh yeah, I don't I didn't get to see the Iowa thing, but uh their defense must not be that great or the Rutgers scheme is starting to get some traction over there. Mm-hmm. Uh 
Robert Martin did pretty well. I, that we, I thought he'd have a good year. I didn't expect him to do well against a team like Iowa. Uh, the Janarian Grant injury makes Terrible. me want to die. Yep. Yeah, that sucks. Um, yeah, he was he was doing so good. Um, hopefully, he's, he's just you know healthy in time for the combine or something, and exactly. he's able to blaze there and and go high like he. Sh- I mean, he he should be like a third or fourth round pick, even though he's tiny, just because like you can't find people who run like him. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Oregon. I am so my 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 uh, Vegas bets are just the stupidest, worst crap I've ever <laughs> done in my life, and I, that's not for a shortage of alternatives like. Uh, Oregon over eight and a half is what I thought would make sense. And I didn't, I did not gauge the Helfrick factor correctly. I was like, oh, the personnel, I guess it's all good. And Helfrick can't be so bad as to screw this up. But, and, and not to deny all credit to Colorado because it seems like they're actually really catching on. I love it. Is, it. it is still Mike McIntyre there, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He, he was pretty impressive at San Jose State. So it, it makes sense that they're finally catching on. For a while, I was pessimistic about him having the talent necessary to do it but yeah like steven montez yeah playing off the bench behind safo and he looks like he might be a beast next year so yeah n- nice work by mcintyre but man you can't lose against colorado when you're oregon um i, I know they didn't have royce freeman but still that like I mean, they have a stable of insane running backs and a good quarterback <laughs> so i mean I think it does kind of come down to to that coaching factor a little bit. And he's bad, dude. He's, it, I think he does not understand. Like, we've he, decided. He, yeah, he's. You can tell it's it's definitely just like uh, he, he he followed directions while Kelly was there, and without Kelly there, he's just guessing, button mashing. Essentially, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it seems like. Uh, you know, the last two weeks have been pretty embarrassing showings from him. Uh, yeah, I will. I think they have to play Washington at home uh next week yeah i'm not gonna win that bet they're going under eight and a half no doubt they might go like six and six they're that they're that underachieving they're supposed to get royce freeman back this week but i wouldn't even i wouldn't even feel comfortable about like betting on them to beat washington state this week yeah no that feels a little bit wonky in its own right um so what do you say we get into this week's games kicking us off on thursday we got we get to watch houston again on thursday always a joy um so we got uconn Going down to Houston, Houston four touchdown favorites with an over under of fifty in that game. Uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, so they're they're basically expected to win like forty two to ten or something like that. Seems um, like it. Um, okay. Yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna beat them. I guess it's the question is like, what is this? Is it, are they gonna cover the spread? And I I don't know. UConn's like so low tempo and un unaspiring. Like I don't I don't even know if Houston's gonna need to like rip them to pieces quite like that. I don't know if like Houston's just gonna like kinda run the clock out on themselves. That's kinda kinda seems to be their method. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Houston's gonna clobber them. I don't know. Doesn't I'm not interested in this game. <laughs> no, this is not a not a great one. Um Houston should just you know, like you said, they should mash. Um then we got Texas Tech at home against Kansas, another uh no defense bowl here. Yeah. It's a Texas Tech twenty eight point home favorites, over under of eighty. Yeah, twenty eight points kind of feels like not that much for Texas Tech going against Kansas who Kansas lose by like twenty eight to Ohio or something like that. I think uh, at home or something too. Yeah. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Kansas can keep uh, Pat Mahomes under six hundred yards passing. And uh, I don't know. I have my touchdowns. doubts about that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Texas Tech coming off a bye. Um, I just think that spells trouble. I mean, pretty much Kansas lining up against anyone it spells trouble for them. But um, 
I think Texas Tech in particular should just wipe the floor with them. I, I would honestly feel comfortable uh, taking them minus 28. I would too. Yeah. Um, then Friday, uh, this is a game near and dear to my heart. I'm very excited for this game. Uh, neither team looked particularly good last week. Um, we got Stanford heading up to Washington. Uh, this is sort of like for all the marbles in the Pac-12 North, especially since, you know, considering that Oregon has gone ahead and just uh, shot themselves in the foot too much. Uh, so we got Washington three-and-a-half-point favorites at home, uh, over under a 44. Um, Washington, uh, it's going to be really interesting how the, how these guys match up because Washington has so much speed and Stanford is is so well-renowned for for their, like, big defense. It's able to just kind of contain everybody. Um, but found out this morning that, that Stanford is going to be missing they're starting two cornerbacks, and I thought that the size mismatch uh, between their corners, they're both like 6'2", uh, going against guys like John Ross, who's 5'11", and Chico McClatchy, who's like 5'7", uh, I thought that that was going to be something that was going to cause some issues for, for Washington. But you know, now that they're out of the fold, uh, Stanford's going to be reeling a little bit in that regard. And I think that I like the Washington receivers a little bit more than I did uh, coming into you know even this morning. And then I think Washington... They know what Stanford is offensively. I mean, coming into last week, McCaffrey had accounted for sixty percent of their of their offense. Yeah, uh, he only accounted for forty three percent of it last weekend. I mean, he's just he's just their entire offense. Uh, and you figure that Washington has enough talent on their defense to sort of at least contain him by McCaffrey standards. I would I would say is the best way that I can put it. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, with Stanford being out two corners, their top two corners. Uh, and, and I don't know how well the Stanford style of defense matches up anyway to this, uh, you know, w- w- their their method of defense is largely just kind of like grab you, you know, and, and just like yep. press and, and just be bigger and stronger than you. Um, these Washington receivers, their top three are all burners. Uh, like I was looking up uh, Chico McClatcher just now and like he, along with Pettis and Ross, is a track guy. Um, there's just so much speed and there's that they're small. It can almost be an advantage in this context because they're harder to hold. Um, and, and, you know, Stanford's one of those schools that takes advantage of college football's, uh, generally lacks, uh, downfield contact. Yeah, that's rules. what they did to Pringle the whole night against Kansas State. Yeah, so, like, in, in the NFL, like, you can't play Stanford defense, can't play Michigan State defense, all that stuff. I mean, nearly any defense would just be flags all the time. But Cl- McClatcher, Pettis, Ross, especially, uh, like, uh, they're, they're going to be hard to get their hands on to. Uh, Gaskin has shown the ability to run against tough defenses and, uh, yeah, I just I I feel like Washington can sell out on the run without, you know, it, with the not much of a, a chance of getting burned as a result. I mean, I, Stanford can you know maybe get a trick player or two behind the defense, but generally it's like if if McCaffrey doesn't carry them, no one else can. So that's not the case with Washington. They've got a few playmakers at the least, and uh, yeah, I kind of like the chances of Chris Peterson out coaching David Shaw. I and you know one last read I kind of have on this uh, game is that uh, Washington, you know, they got tested last week down in Arizona on Saturday night. Um, but I think they, they were looking ahead, too. They were definitely looking ahead, and the fact of the matter is what really kind of burned them was uh, was Dawkins, uh, Brandon Dawkins, mm-hmm. Arizona's uh, quarterback, who ran for more than he threw for. He ran for 176 yards. They're not going to have to worry about that with Ryan Burns. Not at all. See, so I mean that—that's where they got torched a little bit. The the mobile quarterback. Um, obviously, you worry maybe a little bit about you know McCaffrey's shiftiness kind of matching up to to that sort of thing. But I mean they're gonna they're they're not gonna have to worry about two 
it, like very dynamic running threats are just going to have to worry about McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would feel comfortable, uh, and, and I have a lot of credibility on this subject. I would definitely take uh, the, the three points for Washington and feel comfortable about it. And for, for the record, uh, Washington was my like sleeper pick to win the Pac-12, so I really am sort of pulling for them just for my own uh, credibility's sake. And then uh, the, the sort of undercard of, of Friday night's slate, uh, before we get into the weekend, we got uh, BYU hosting Toledo. Three and a half point favorites for BYU, fifty-two point over under. Those are two good defenses. I'm not convinced BYU's offense is good enough, uh, but yeah, they they're generally going to have a personnel advantage over a MAC type team. But Toledo has a few really good players. Like their their backfield is deep. Their quarterback Woodside has looked great so far, uh, and and Cody Thompson is quietly one of the best receivers in the country. So I think. Yep. I, I would probably take Toledo for the spread, although like maybe not to win. I can see that being like a one or two point victory for whoever gets it. Yeah, I don't have a don't have a huge lean one way or the other in this one, but I just feel like BYU could probably pull it off just based on the fact that they're at home with with a veteran yeah. quarterback. They also um, got Jamal Williams has been great this year after skipping that's been last good to see. year, seemingly skipping like the last two years or something. But uh, yeah, he's been beasting so far. So before we get into the Saturday games, um, we've got a message here from the No Halftime app. So you're staring at your weekly fantasy opponent and thinking to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players, not his entire team. But your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to. Now you can on the all-new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Beckham versus Brown, Cam versus Rogers, or even Ezekiel Elliott versus Todd Gurley. Creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. Use the promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No halftime where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. All righty, so getting into the Saturday, into the, into the meat of this podcast, we got a couple smaller games I wanted to hit on before, before uh, you know, there's just a ton of, of kind of big games this weekend. Um, so of the, of the group of five games uh, looking at, uh, Eastern Michigan at, at Bowling Green. Dude, Eastern uh, Michigan is going to kill those guys. Yeah, Bowling Green, only two and a half point favorites at home against Eastern Michigan, like a team that was projected to be pretty terrible this year, and Bowling Green coming off a very you know, excellent year last year. Obviously, they, they've lost a lot, and we, we've talked about that. But, like, this precipitous downfall from Bowling Green has just been unreal. I mean, for them to only be – I mean, in this game last year, if it was at Bowling Green, you know, it would be like Bowling Green – 27 and a half or yeah. something. Yeah. So the the gap is closed. In Eastern Michigan, they lost their running back, and then uh, – their new one is Ian... Ian Erickson yes. has replaced He's looked pretty uh, Shaq good. Van, and Shaq Van was really good, uh, but Erickson's doing well himself. Uh, they've got a few interesting skill position people, like Eddie Daugherty was their leading receiver last year, and he's like their seventh pass catcher now, and I don't hmm. know whether that's like disciplinary related or injury related, but they got these other guys stepping up. They have this interesting, uh, I think his name is like Nigel Kilby, a freshman tight end who's, uh, I think, their leading receiver right now. Um, but yeah... Uh, I guess it like I guess that spread is probably that way. Like I don't. I was shocked to see Bowling Green favored 
Um, I, I mean, really, I don't, I don't. I think Eastern Michigan could beat them by like uh, two touchdowns or something because uh, Eastern Michigan's coach is really good. There's no doubt that that's the case because Eastern Michigan was so hopeless before Chris Creighton got there, and uh, they they beat Wyoming last week. Uh, Wyoming is. Uh, uh, not exactly high functioning team or high functional sort of team, but uh, they're a not respectable a Mountain West team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Like they beat Northern Illinois in Week One, and it turns out Northern Illinois is bad. But that was when they had Drew Hare. It wasn't a right. backup quarterback. So uh, yeah, they they beat them, and uh, there there's some quarterback uncertainty. I would imagine that's why Bowling Green is favored. As like Todd Porter was benched for throwing four interceptions against Wyoming, but I don't think it matters if it's Todd Porter or Brogan Roback at quarterback. I think they're Bowling Green has been a total pushover. You have to wonder about their effort level, the way they've been getting destroyed. Uh, Obviously, their current situation uh, reflects well on Dino Babbers, and it looks quite as all things should and do. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it. I would take Eastern Michigan to cover that. I've like no question. Me too. Um, Let's see. We got an American Athletic showdown. We got um, Cincinnati. Uh, six-point home dogs to USF, who's coming off of, you know, probably, you know, what's going to be their their toughest game of the season. You know, they, they probably didn't anticipate to really uh, give Florida State too much of a fight, even though that spread was oddly thin. Uh, so we got USF coming up. They, they had, like, a couple, like, bumps and bruises coming out of that Florida State game. Uh, okay. Uh, Flowers uh, was like a little shaken up, and, and I think Mac got like poked in the eye or something. But he, he's just going to wear a visor this week; he'll be fine. Um, so I think South Florida, especially if Cincinnati. Well, I guess we don't know it, if Hayden Moore is going right. to play. And Ross Trail was bad last week. I mean, not that you would expect a freshman to be that great, but I mean, it was against Miami of Ohio, better team that they than they were a few years ago, but still. Cincinnati team should not have trouble with Miami no. of Ohio, and he did not throw for a touchdown. I think he had two or three interceptions. His only touchdown was a rushing one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cincinnati can't run the ball. I don't. I don't know why I haven't been able to watch enough. Mike Boone was one of the most explosive running backs in the country the last two years. This year, he's not even over four yards a carry. I think he's at three and a half a carry Yikes. through the first month. I. I can't. I can't really attribute that to his talent. I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and assume the offensive line isn't getting where, getting there. Tion Green isn't doing much better. Uh, he was also much better in previous years. So I. I don't. The, the question for me in this one is like Hayden Moore. Does he play? Is he healthy? And also is Flowers. <clears throat> excuse me. Is Flowers healthy? Need Flowers for USF to be what they're supposed to be. So. Uh, but if everybody's healthy, even then, I would take USF to to cover the six, um, just because I I don't think uh, Moore is good enough to be good against uh, South Florida with no running game help, and I don't think the running game is going to be there for Cincinnati. That's it. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, once you make Cincinnati one dimensional, I think that pretty much all three of their quarterbacks, like I think they all are talented in their own ways, but all of them are, are like pretty turnover prone. So I think South Florida can definitely capitalize on that. And then I think their offense should be able to just kind of blow through Cincinnati's defense. Uh, so I could definitely see uh, South like, let's Florida. Keep this getting in this mind. One. South Florida beat Syracuse at Syracuse by 25 points. Yes. And, and they were losing by like 20 or something yeah, at one it was point. Something wacky, yeah. Uh, and they just came, came roaring back. I mean, that, that that's a team that can put up a lot of points in a hurry. Um, then moving on, we got some action. We got uh, Western Michigan uh, coming off a nice win, going to Central Michigan. Uh, this is an interesting match. This though. really is. In Central Michigan, they are three three and a half point home underdogs, but Central Michigan had some really bad attrition last weekend. Jesse Kroll, who was uh, their uh, leading receiver last year, 61 grabs, uh, 866 yards, four scores. 
he's done for the year, I think, with a knee injury. Yeah. Uh, Eric Cooper, I think, hurt his foot. Sorry, who is who's that? He was, I mean, he was more of a of an ancillary character of, of their receiving core. But oh, he's a receiver? Oh, okay. I believe so. No, it was like, I, I haven't seen Anthony Rice playing for them this year, and he was like their second receiver last year. Uh, I didn't. I don't know if he's just kind of is out of the rotation because he's not as good as these other guys. But uh, yeah, if Mark Chapman is able to go, I saw him mention that he might have been dinged up. But uh, yeah, I'm not finding this Cooper character. Uh, he, he has like four catches on the air for 41 yards. So I mean, oh, okay. he was more of a depth guy. But yeah, uh, Corey Willis is good. Uh, he's he's been pretty uniquely ex- explosive among that group of receivers, and they've got a few good ones. Uh, Cooper Rush is playing at a very high level at quarterback. Uh, he's a senior, four year starter. So you you. you hope for some outcome like this as a senior uh, but doesn't always turn out as well as he has he's been awesome obviously had them in that Oklahoma State game yeah I guess I would take Western Michigan to cover this if only because it seems like PJ Fleck is probably one of the better coaches in the country yep and I think there it's it's almost a certainty that Western Michigan just has more raw talent because Fleck's been getting like a lot of three-star recruits over the past few years uh I think it was Michael Henry stepped up at receiver last week for Western Michigan. So if he's if he's able to step up when Corey Davis is like quadruple covered, um, Jamari Bogan's a very impressive running back. Oh yeah, uh, Terrell, the the Western Michigan quarterback, he's a senior and he's he's quite efficient. Uh, I think Western Michigan is just a really good team. Like I think they're closer to like you know the the recent standard of like. Boise State than they are uh, even like Bowling Green last year. Like I think they're a really good team that uh, probably should be in the top twenty five right now. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying the the run that they're on this year. And uh, one of our favorite guys in the office, proud Western Michigan alum, and uh, we have some we have like some Northwestern alum in the office. And he, you know, for him to get the bragging rights on them, I thought earlier in the year that I thought that was awesome. So I think Western Michigan, uh, I think they should be able to to pull us off. I think they are kind of a cut above everybody else yeah, in the they, MAC, if, even if Central Michigan might be like the second best team in the MAC or something. Right, Toledo is probably the second, I would guess. Okay. We'll find out some more about it this week. But, yeah, if Western Michigan beats Central Michigan, uh, they only have Toledo in their way to an undefeated regular season, and then they'll have the MAC championship game, with, which they'll also have to win. But they have a really viable shot at a really good shot at going uh, undefeated as it stands. That is excellent. Um, let's see. And then rounding us out for the group of five, uh, we got a Mountain West one. We got Boise State, 20-point home favorites against Utah State. Probably got to take Boise because Utah State's a mess. We still don't know if Devontae Mays is going to play. Yep. Uh, I didn't know Ray Lewis's son is a receiver for Utah State, but funny he is. Well, uh, he's but yeah. got a bunch of them. So yeah, uh, he looks like him. It's weird. He's oh, but he's gosh. like small. He's okay. like he's like five nine one seventy. But it's like hey, is that Ray. Ray Lewis. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. Anyway, uh, yeah, Boise State's good. Utah State's in a kind of rebuilding phase right now. Yeah, I I kind of read it the same way. And Boise State's just like a, a tough place to uh, to win on the road. Uh, so I, I would imagine that Boise State takes care of business this week. I think uh, Jeremy McNichols is doing like two and a half touchdowns from scrimmage per game going back to last year. Like he's he's got something like thirty five in his last fifteen games. He's he's nuts. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, he's like a like a benevolent touchdown alien from outer space. It's pretty cool. Uh, you should watch him if you haven't already. Uh, moving on to the Power Five matchups, we got uh, Texas going to Oklahoma State. Texas is ranked like twenty second or something. Oklahoma State is unranked. 
uh, after losing to Baylor last week, but Oklahoma State still home favorites, uh, minus two and a half. So close to a pick but not quite. Yeah, I th- this is such a weird game to approach because I don't think either team knows what it is or wants to do exactly. And there's a, there's a variety of dysfunction on both sides uh, with Charlie Strong thinking that the clothes are why they're losing and then who knows what Mike Gundy's thinking, but he was kind of doing this this thing that I thought was a little whiny this week where he was like, well, you know, less miles. I, uh, that's that that just shows you they can just get tired of you right for for no reason and just fire you one day. I was like, dude, like subtweeting. Are the you AD. like are you like lamenting your pre-firing or something? <laughs> like you're you're not even likely to get fired, dude. You have, like you're not on the hot seat, really. Um, I don't know. Anyway, it's I would kind of side with Oklahoma State if only because Mason Rudolph, I think, is uh, not the kind of player to get stopped by a defense of what Texas has shown so far. And Buchel, uh, he's he's nicked up, right? I think and, so. And you never know if Texas is going to get some stupid idea to rotate rotate in swoops uh, at midfield or something like that. So uh, I would go with Oklahoma State, but there's this is like a powder keg game. Anything we, there's lots of weird outcomes that are possible. Yeah, this this should be a pretty strange one because I mean Texas is going to be able to run all over Oklahoma State at the same time, but like Oklahoma State, I mean. We're looking at a Texas team whose defensive coordinator was asked point blank at a press conference today, like, are you surprised you haven't been demoted yet? Like, just right there, like, first question he got asked. So, I mean, yes, (laughs) I think he was I think his eyes said yes and his mouth said no or something. But um, uh, basically, I think this is going to be a shootout, uh, not quite to the level of, of like the Texas Cal game or something, but it's going to be uh, pretty high scoring. Uh, I'm interested to see what the over under is in this one. I have a hard time really picking picking who's going to win in this one because, like oh, you yeah, said, I don't want to make that. The, choice, yeah. There's just so many possible over under is seventy one and a half. It looks like. Hmm. I would probably take the over there. I, I think. The over. Yeah, that's 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 where I'm heading if I'm betting on this game. Uh, moving on, uh, we got Georgia. Uh, only three and a half point underdogs uh, at home against Tennessee. Uh, I guess Tennessee, you know, you really kind of have to weigh out um, with yourself. Like, are you, is this the Tennessee team that we saw for the first three and a half games of the season, or is this the Tennessee team that we saw for the last thirty minutes last week? The spread seems to think it's more the Appalachian State. App, sorry, this one, uh, this one fellow who uh, listens to us tweeted at me like it's Appalachian, not Appalachian. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I can only speak like I know how. Anyway, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't really like the three and a half for Georgia. I think Tennessee covers it. But I guess the reason you would make it that is uh, if you're suspicious that Tennessee, you know, just looking ahead past Georgia because they think they're a joke after last week, and also having a an exhausting, brutal game against uh, Florida preceding it. Do they have Bama after this one too? Uh, not sure. We can we can find that out using okay. the internet. I'll start talking then. I think Tennessee, like that, they really showed what what we've kind of hoped they would be. Uh, they showed that in the last thirty minutes last week, just like a suffocating defense. It gets penetration, uh, doesn't miss tackles, uh, just really kind of frustrates you. Uh, they're missing their best cornerback, Cam Sutton. He's probably done until bowl season time. But uh, I don't really think that Georgia, aside, aside from like Isaiah McKenzie, who had two touchdown drops like in a row last week, um, none of them can really uh, can really threaten your defense too too much uh they don't have a lot of size uh tennessee's defensive coordinator is very uh almost too nice about 
what he thinks of Georgia's receiving core. He was like, oh, they're just, you know, it's just like a baseball team that's just hitting it hard, but they're, they're hitting it right at the at the infield. Like, mm, no, no, probably Their not, bad man. Their is is going to progress. <laughs> um, but no, uh, sorry, Tennessee has uh, a road game against A&M after this. And then Alabama. Ooh, man. So, yeah, they, they could be looking ahead a bit. No one would no one would hold that against them. No, nah, you, you really can't, especially after seeing how Georgia looked last week. I mean, this is Eason's first SEC home game. Uh, I still think he's going to have some trouble. I think Tennessee's going to be able to frustrate him a little bit. Uh, I don't think Kirby Smart can, can coach circles around Butch Jones, at least not yet. So. Yeah, I don't know what I've, I don't think Jones is much more than average, but he's probably at least that. And Smart's kind of the jury is out, I think. Yeah, we're uh, we're waiting to see what, what becomes of it. We'll see how they bounce back after just getting uh, stomped. But I have the sneaking suspicion that Tennessee will will be able to get like a ten point win on the yeah. road this week. Uh, we got Florida State ten point home favorites against North Carolina. Um, that seems like a lot of points, but uh, not really because I, I I don't I could see this I could see North Carolina covering the spread if they ran the ball a lot with Elijah Hood, but I don't think they will. Right, um, and I don't I don't think that Mitch Trubisky is is good of a player as necessary to throw on Florida State reliably. Like he's putting up some really big numbers lately, but. I, the film that I've seen of him, he's kind, he looks a little limited to me. Like he seems like he he probably executes the system perfectly, and he's he's a good player. But I think you need to be better than good to throw the ball in Florida State. Yep. Like you need to be a, like a Chad Kelly type, which I, I don't see any evidence that Trubisky is that. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I think Larry Fedora is going to get out coached by Jimbo Fisher, and Florida State is um, you know probably going to look to just destroy the next few people that they face after that Louisville game and and South. I don't yes. think I'd pick. I don't think I'd necessarily even pick North Carolina to cover that, uh, or to 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 beat South Florida. So, uh, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. I know that Florida State's got uh, some injuries uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I think Derwin James is probably still out. Uh, I think Josh Sweat is out as well. Uh, okay. So those are two key guys. But at the same time, uh, I think to your point. North Carolina can reliably, you know, like trip over its own feet when it comes to uh, its play calling a little bit. Uh, So I think Florida State should be able to stymie them at least a little bit. Uh, UNC won't be quite in the rhythm that that we've gotten used to seeing recently. And I think, you know, with Dalvin Cook getting back on track and and Florida State's receivers only getting better, uh, especially their young ones, uh, I I definitely see where Florida State kind of makes a little bit of a – I guess it wouldn't be a statement win, but it's just like, re- just remember who we are type of win. Yeah, and th- this would be a good setting to do it. I, I I don't know if I would approach it with a spread pick, but if, if forced to, I would take them to cover. Excellent. Well, then we got the the big game, the one that uh, everyone's talking about here. Our um, most uh, reliable subject. Um, yep, so li- listen closely, children, to our Wisconsin takes because they're always We're about to good. go one and four. <laughs> so we got uh, Michigan... At home, ten and a half point favorites going against Wisconsin. I mean, this isn't a, a slight at Wisconsin. I think it's just something that you've, pre- if you've listened every week, that you can probably just pick up from me. It's just like I just believe that Michigan's going to cover the spread pretty much every time, no matter like what they give. Yeah, the issue is not that Wisconsin. It's 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 not that Wisconsin is going to underperform or like they're getting disrespected. It's just that Michigan by now is pretty close to the level of raw talent and and like coach, coaching 
uh, execution that Alabama is. Yep. And you would expect Alabama to beat Wisconsin by more than 10 points at home. So I, I think Michigan will do it. I, I, th- I think Hornibrook looks good for Wisconsin. I, I like Corey Clement, but I just don't think that this is a setting where they're going to be able to just get any blocking really. And I don't think they're, they're, uh, I don't think the receivers are going to get separation much. Although Michigan did lose their six four guy for the year, that that huge corner. Oh, okay. I can't remember his name. Um, he's out. But either way, I just if Wisconsin does cover this spread or you know somehow win, it'll be because the defense has like a just unbelievable performance, probably at least one touchdown. So I don't really foresee that. I, th- I think Harbaugh's got something cooked up that'll probably get them out with like a with like a. I don't know, thirteen point win or something. Yeah, I think this is this is a game that's that's you know like your classic quintessential Big Ten slobber knocker, if you will. At, but I could just see Wisconsin being held to like six points the way that they held Michigan State to six points last week. And I think Michigan, yeah. like I'm not enamored with their offense. Uh, they they like give it to like forty different guys. Uh, like or they give 40 different guys carries every game. Darbo and, and uh Chesson have kind of gotten off to slow-ish starts this year. Jake Butt's been pretty reliable. Wilton Spites been okay, but I mean they have they have a guy in Jabril Peppers who kind of like like you said, they can come up with something and I, I could see Jabril Peppers coming in and taking an end around, you know, to kind of like take a score in and, and sort of help uh put Michigan ahead. So I don't think Michigan's gonna score a ton here, but I just don't think that I think even more so that Wisconsin's gonna I don't even know if they're gonna get in the end zone. Yeah, and the other thing offense. is Wisconsin has been use has been reaching deep into their bag of tricks this year. Like with Michigan uh, probably hasn't like they don't they don't really need it they can just use their talent Wisconsin has had to overachieve to get to this point mm-hmm. and you would think they probably are this is this is like a letdown classic letdown setting for Wisconsin coming off uh, like an improbable demolishing of a, of a road rival uh, last week in a game that to that point was like their biggest game of the year so I don't, I don't think it, it, it's the right setting for Wisconsin to to really be at their you know, best and, and Michigan is is kind of going to be at their best almost regardless of context. That's what I'm thinking. So I, th- I still think you know it is a pretty large spread. It's hard to see Wisconsin losing by by that much to most teams, but I think uh, Michigan and Ohio State are two teams that could probably do it. Twenty four seven or something is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think that that sounds about right to me. Um, so we're both leaning Michigan on this one, but. Unlike other weeks, we mean absolutely no disrespect to Wisconsin. Uh, this is Wisconsin. I've actually been, been respecting them since week one. They did have they ran an awesome game against LSU. Also, it's just uh, man, I can't believe this is happening. It's I, it, this is this is this is just weird seeing Wisconsin be like innovative and b- bold, like going on fourth downs constantly. Wild times, man. Wild times here in Badgerland. Um, we got TCU at home, uh, three and a half point dogs to Oklahoma. I'd take Oklahoma. Yeah, you got to imagine Oklahoma will get it done. TCU it just doesn't look very good. No, like it, it, it took them forever to start like convincingly beating SMU last weekend. They've started slow in every game, and I, I love Kenny Hill, but uh, it, fast starts just don't seem to be his thing, at least not with TCU. I don't know if they have Turpin this week. I remember the initial tone of his injury made it seem more like a multi-week thing. Yeah, torn PCL, and we're, we're oh, he we're torn on, his PCL. Okay, yeah, no, and we're and we're like we're two week. weeks out from that, so. Ch- 
that does kind of limit their offense a little bit. They they got John Diars involved more last week. He's sort of, sort of a big LSU uh, receiver, and he he answered the bell big time. They also have Taj Williams. He's one of my favorite uh, first year in the FBS. He was a JUCO receiver last year. Uh, he's been playing really well. Uh, so those are a couple of big guys. Um, but I still think Oklahoma should be able to to just sort of uh, go into TCU. Like, yeah, I think they might win by like two touchdowns or something. I just don't think TCU's good this year. It really doesn't seem like it. I think their defense is a little more suspect than we right. were suspecting. Um, so definitely see OU getting it done there on the road in Fort Worth. Uh, we got Cal one-and-a-half-point favorites Ooh. against Utah. Hmm. I don't think Davis Webb is the kind of quarterback to stand up to a defense like Utah's and play to the level that people expect him to. Like he's been better than I thought he would be this year, but in like their two highest pressure settings, he's been turnover prone. I don't know right. why that would change here. It was the case also at Texas Tech when he was there. Uh, Utah's just a really well coached team, and like they seem to just keep getting these guys to step up. Their offense has actually been pretty explosive this year. Yep. Um, I, I, yeah, I would take Utah to win it. I, yeah, I thought it was very strange that, that Cal was favored. I think that, you know, uh, really, really it comes down to Cal's offense getting slowed down by its standards. And then uh, Utah's just going to, Utah is set up on offense to just sort of punish a team like Cal uh, with their run. I mean, they, they, they just went ahead last week, uh, first drive against USC. 12 running plays right up the gut and, and scored a touchdown. Zach Moss, right? That's that's the guy who stepped up with Joe Williams. I know they had that, like, Troy McCormick or whatever, but he's kind of like, right. a, I think he's like 170 pounds or something, and Zach Moss is, I think, the I'm one ser- who's... I'm searching for yeah, his name. Is. And then uh, they Zach have... Moss, I haven't seen him play, have you? I'm... I mean, I guess I was watching him last week. Okay. I guess it, his name didn't really stand Number out to two. me. Yeah. And then uh, Tim Patrick, I thought, looked like a, like, like a boss. Uh, yeah, he's been dominating in every game so far. Yeah, he looks, he looks pretty darn serious out there, so... I like his ability to to get stuff done against uh, Cal's secondary as well. Uh, you know, should Utah ever feel the need to throw the ball, um, so I think Utah should be able to win this one, even though it's on the road uh, with relative ease. I mean, certainly, uh, I think that that they will win no matter what. Yeah, I like I like them to win that. Um, then we got the first game of the new Ed Orgeron. Uh, tenure at LSU. Uh, they are 13-point favorites at home at night That's against weird, right? Mizzou. 13 points? That seems like a lot to me. It, I mean, I guess it's like the, the reasoning is is Drew Locke will have to do whatever he does on offense on his own because Missouri still can't run the ball. Right. Um, Fournette is questionable, though. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, even if he plays, he's not going to be <laughs> Leonard Fournette, the, like the, you know, the guy that we saw tossing people around like off his back against Auburn last year, not this past week. Um, yeah, that that uh, that ankle thing. It sounds like he he kind of dinged it up again. Yeah, against Auburn this time around. But so. it's like. LSU's offense is their passing game is so bad. Uh, I they mean, thought I guess, Danny Etling was going to be the savior of that offense. That's oh, so man. crazy. I have, I have trouble if they believed that. Um, they really did. Like everything wow. I read from the from like their newspaper down there, the Advocate. Like everyone was, was we got the going we got nuts. that fella who was benched at Purdue, and um, yeah, they watched like Austin Appleby and was like, oh my god, we <laughs> yeah, got this. Let's get him. Etling must be ten times better. Um, but yeah, I don't. I just don't see LSU scoring enough points to cover that thirteen points. I Mizzou mean, has has an almost as good defense. I mean, not not you know talent front to back like LSU does, but the way they play has been 
about as good as LSU's, I've thought. Yeah, I just I, I can I can imagine LSU beating them in some kind of convincing way, but just not by thirteen points. No, Mizzou runs too many plays. They are pretty explosive on offense. Jamon Moore has been amazing. He's my dude, man. And and Drew Locke, you know, I got to give him a lot of credit because I gave him a lot of grief last year. I thought he looked like kind of a deer in headlights, but this year he looks totally different. Yeah. Um, and they, I think that uh, Josh Heupel has installed it, like the perfect offense for him. Oh, so nice. they're just running a ton of plays and they're they're getting the ball out, pushing the pace um and you know if they're able to do that they, they should be able to keep it within 13 uh even if it is in death valley i know it's kind of a tough ask um but in i think lsu is going to be very emotional uh first week without less but I, I still think that mizzou kind of is still able to give them a little bit of a scare here um and then kind of the marquee game of the night for as far as our national audience is concerned we got clemson hosting louisville um, this, you know, this could really change everything in the ACC, especially yeah. if Clemson ends up beating Louisville. Uh, Louisville, I believe, is two-point uh, favorites right now, and that line's been kind of like moving around. Yeah, I don't know where I, I – I have no idea where I think that's going to end up. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't want to pick against Deshaun Watson, but, man – I don't know how you can pick against Lamar Jackson right now. He's, That's what I'm saying. He's he looks like the best college quarterback I've ever seen. Pretty much, like it's stupid. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that he's it's capable that, that he's that there's anyone capable of stopping him. It's like only way he has a bad game is if he just makes unforced errors. So I don't I don't really see that happening. This looks like it opened at three and a half favorite for Clemson, and now it's up to two for Louis plus two. For, uh, for Clemson, okay, two favorite. Wow, for so swinging. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. I, I mean, I'm taking, I'm taking Louisville minus two. I mean, this, this is to me. This is this is, um, you know, what it's going to boil down to is probably can Clemson slow down Louisville's offense, right? And do you think that Clemson's defense is in the same field as, as like Florida State's? Uh, it's, it looks like it's probably better right now, but the they thing have, is, Louisville's is about as good, it seems. That's also true. Uh, and then uh, Austin Bryant, uh, one of the Clemson defensive linemen starters, uh, he's out, whereas Louisville is totally healthy. Um, I think that Louisville is going to be able to move the ball on Clemson. Uh, and I, even though that Clemson like kind of exercised some demons, really kind of bullied Georgia Tech around last week, and the, they'll be a little bit more rested you know, they'll have that, you know, like extra day in, yeah. or two in between because they played on Thursday night. Um, and they, they're going to be at home. Uh, I mean, all these things are going in Clemson's favor, but it's just like, how do you pick against Louisville right now? Yeah, Lamar Jackson just looks infallible. Uh, and again, the Louisville defense, it, it might be as good as Clemson's. Like, they got 34 tackles for loss in four games. That's savage. Um, they, like, you, I mean, you've seen them. They swarm. They're fast. Mm-hmm. So... Deshaun Watson was an amazing player last year. This year, he's only been decent. Uh, and, I mean, as great as he was last year, uh, Deshaun Watson was not as good as Lamar Jackson is now. Yeah, they're, I mean, like you said, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, he's looking like the you know one of the best college quarterbacks that we've seen uh, in our lifetimes. Oh, he, so far, he has easily looked like – I, I mean, I, I saw some Tebow. I saw, uh, you know uh, – Cam Newton would probably be like oh, another yeah, close Newton. one, but yeah, I've never never seen anything like this. Like he's just he's just an absolute blur. Uh, he could throw the ball a million yards. I, I I don't know how you stop him or even slow him. So yes, we are we are on the same page there. It's just impossible to uh, until it happens 
might happen this week. You know, Clemson is a very good team, but until it happens, I'm just going to lean Louisville uh, moving forward. Um, then we got wrapping us up here. We got uh, Arizona State uh, going to USC. Ten point favorite USC now. Oh wow, it's up to that. Um, Opened at eight, um, but yeah, I Arizona State's defense is pretty bad. I mean, it's like one of the worst. Yeah, and I. I don't think Manny Wilkins has shown good enough passing skills to this point to project well to Southern California's defense. Uh, I'm almost a little like I'm almost a little worried about him getting benched in this one for uh, Brady White, just because I, I can't imagine uh, USC making it kind of rough on them. Because uh, yeah, Darnold looked really good. Him being able to run is an interesting twist yes. in USC offenses. Um, I think Juju gets wild in this one. I just, yeah, I don't think Arizona State's defense is prepared for this, and I don't think their offense is dominant enough to to really keep pace with USC. Yeah, I, I'm a huge uh, proponent of Darnold right now. I mean, and, and you know, he was able to do what he did last week, sort of just a one-man show on, on the USC <laughs> offense to an extent. Against a really tough defense. Really tough defense. On the road, first start, Friday night in Utah. Uh, that was really impressive to me. You know, even in, a, in what ended up being a losing effort, I thought that Sam Darnold was far from the from the reason why uh, Southern Cal couldn't hold on to that one. Um, and then sort of just a fun individual matchup that, that I'll be looking out for is Dory Jackson from, from Southern Cal, you know, one of the better corners in the country going against uh, and Keel Harry, uh, true freshman that we talked about from Arizona State. Uh, yeah. Assuming that they match up, I hope they do. I hope this isn't another one of those like Josh Norman hang out over here while Antonio Brown beats your friend up type of deal. <laughs> uh, so I hope that I hope that they match up because th- those two are a couple of big, just physical, uh, just unbelievably athletic guys, and I, I would love to see them uh, get after it. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Do we we want to talk about season long right now? Sure. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. So um, yeah, we're going to reference John's article. We're going to reference Nick Gray's or uh, our waiver wire author's article. Um, looking at Nick's article, um, let's see, he's got, what, what do you have any thoughts on UCF East Carolina? Because, uh, it seems like everybody's kind of got UCF written off. Um, they're, they're they're, they're starting Mackenzie Milton, right? At quarterback still. Right. Oh, Um, actually the spread is only three and a half on this. It opened at five and a half. It's just that the UCF defense looks good. It Um, does. And I wasn't expecting that Scott Frost, uh, if if his defense is that good right away, I have to wonder like when his offense looks the way he wants it to, they're probably going to be humming again. Uh, but yeah, Scotty Montgomery also looks like a great coach for East Carolina. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Nick mentioned uh, Philip Nelson this week, and I don't know if I like it that much for Nelson because I, I feel like that UCF defense looks pretty tough. Um, I mean Isaiah Jones is obviously infallible. Jimmy so, John or Jimmy Williams is kind of uh, served nicely as, as like their their uh, like co- sort of bigger play guy. I mean they go to Zay constantly, but uh, Jimmy Williams is averaging like twenty six, almost twenty seven yards a, a catch so yeah, far. I'm trying to look at this uh, the AAC here. I yeah, there's this is one of those conferences where it's like everybody good is probably owned already in your league. Right. Um, yeah. There's I'm not I'm not really seeing much there. I am I am interested to see. Uh, how uh, let's see how Cortland Sutton does this week against uh, Tulsa because 
or sorry, Temple, because it, it looks like a tough matchup for him, but he's been amazing so far. He has over half of the passing yardage at SMU in all their uh, passing all the touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah, that guy, I, he needs to be in the NFL like yesterday. Yeah, he's a monster. Um, but yeah, what, what is your start sit recommendation in AAC? Um, sticking, with, sticking with SMU, I went with Braden West just because I, this is one where you're only really starting him if Xavier Jones right. is out, but I, I do kind of get the sense that he probably will be. He's got this hamstring thing that, you know, it, it's been – there's been no updates on him in, for right. weeks. You know, it's just like all of a sudden, like, it's about to kick off, and there he is on the sidelines just kicking it in his uh, street clothes. So uh, I think West has done, you know, pretty – uh, pretty well in his absence, uh, so I think that this is, this is a situation where Temple. I mean, their run defense is is solid, but it's not kind of like what it, what it was last year, where it was their calling card. Um, so I, I'm leaning West this week. You know, among a guy that uh, might be like a fringe uh, player on your team, or a guy that's you know near the top of your waiver wires. Yeah, if uh, Jihad Thomas was somehow dropped in your league, go ahead and get him back because uh, it's a good idea against really SMU. Um, but yeah. Uh, See the the ACC. Uh, I, I agree with Nick's pick here. Jonathan Hilleman, uh, Boston College. Uh, who they got here? Buffalo. Buffalo. Buffalo's a mess. God, they're Buff- bad. Yeah, they're not good. Uh, John Hilleman, I actually do think is pretty talented, but his his efficiency just like doesn't exist at Boston College. But I think that's just because the scheme and I think opposing defenses have long known like he's pretty easily their best player, and so they they sell out on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this week I like him to get going against a Buffalo team that just doesn't really have the personnel to sell out successfully. Exactly. Yeah, BC should just get, that's going to be one of the uglier games of the weekend. But I think uh, that's one where BC builds a lead through the run and then they just keep it going with the run. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see. Who, who did you have for the ACC here? Uh, you like the Louisville l- receivers in that l- one? A little bit gutsy. Yeah. Uh, you know, gotta gotta just kind of go for it sometimes. But it, you know, like I'm just not I'm not terrified of, of Clemson's uh, secondary. I, I don't think that they've been tested quite enough by anybody. I mean, the best quarterback that they faced was Sean White. Uh, they haven't faced anyone kind of like I said in the article like anywhere in the same stratosphere as Action Jackson. So I feel like the game was going to have a lot of plays run. Like I think both teams are going to be pretty aggressive and up tempo. And it's like even if even if the efficiency isn't there for either team, I think there's going to be a bunch of long passes completed just out of by virtue of uh, the number of attempts. Yeah. So I mean, you know, my my sort of underlying point was, you know, if you have like a James Quaker, Jamari Staples, like don't be afraid to use them, even if it is like a tough matchup on the road, because you know. Louisville is going to be taking a lot of shots down the field. They're going to be running a ton of plays, so the the chances will be there. You know, even if you know they they famously you know left hundreds of yards on the field against Syracuse thanks to drops. Uh, Not sure that they that they do that again, or at least to that extent. So you got to figure that that they'll be able to capitalize at least a couple times down the field uh, and make it happen. You know Uh, who's interesting in the ACC is uh, this Pittsburgh. I guess you'd call him a receiver, but Kaji Henderson Henderson, Mm -hmm. uh, is doing. Doing about as much running, he's almost like the ACC Janarian Grant or something. Okay, um, I didn't, I didn't, did not know of him going into this year. I didn't see him last year. He had a kickoff return for a touchdown last year, but only like seven touches from scrimmage. This year, through four games, he has twenty carries for two hundred and sixty yards, two touchdowns, twelve catches for one hundred and twenty-six yards and a touchdown. Has another kickoff return for a touchdown already. Um, going against Marshall, you would think if uh, whatever's made him so tough to stop so far is something that Marshall is not, you know, equipped to deal with. This is true. So yeah, he's he's someone to keep an eye on or even consider playing this week if if you're in a season long and, and need someone from the ACC there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Big Twelve. You're like Jonathan Giles. That's that's a good call. He's uh, 
I don't know what Texas Tech has a weird way of managing their personnel because like Ian Sadler was their best returning receiver and he's a I guess just a backup, um, and and Giles who is a kind of a backup last year is the starter the lead receiver. Uh, he's going to go nuts against Kansas almost doubtlessly. Yeah, I mean uh, he has 19 catches and those 19 catches have gone for 346 yards and five touchdowns. I mean that those just sort of that sort of output uh, even if he doesn't get like a ton of volume because you know. Uh, I, I looked at uh, the number of guys that Texas or players on Texas Tech that have made receptions, and like it, you know, it's a, it's a list like as long as like the '95 theses or something. Yeah, they, it's have, just they have like forty pass catchers this year. Um, Stupid. Needless to say, uh, if, if again you don't have any ethical qualms in doing so, uh, you'll want to own Ishmael Zamora if he has been dropped in your league because uh, turns out he's actually very good uh, at football. Uh, maybe not life or morals or whatever. Uh, Katie Cannon like might be missing this game for Baylor, uh, so that's that's something to keep an eye on. And if if uh, if Cannon is out, you might like Chris Platt to get going. Uh, he's kind of just a track guy playing football, but he he got loose last week. Um, might do it again this week. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of my Big Twelve thoughts at the moment. Uh, who's who's your big 10 uh, tip, John? I actually like the Purdue receivers. Uh, I recommended Dominique Young because earlier in the season, he got slowed down a little bit last week against Nevada. He only had three grabs for 22 yards. But the first two weeks of the season, he had uh, eight catches in each game. He had a touchdown, uh, 210 total yards of, of uh, receiving in, in those spots. And then he's going against a Maryland defense that uh, – had its first like semi real test against uh, Central Florida and it didn't perform overly well. Um, and Dominic Young and and uh, D'Angelo Yancey are both a couple of guys that that have really great size and that's something that that Maryland secondary lacks uh, to an extent. Uh, I, I think William Likely, uh, he's one of my favorite just players, but he's only five, like five seven, seven so uh, I don't I don't know if he'll necessarily be matched up on the outside with either of those guys, but. Uh, you got a situation where where Purdue is not shy about just chucking the ball. They're, I mean, they're they had their lowest passing output last week, and they threw it you know, over thirty times, I think, against Nevada. So I think this is a game where Purdue is going to be throwing it even more than usual. Uh, I think we're going to see David Blau ripping it, you know, forty plus, forty five plus times. Uh, and Four th- interceptions, uh, two ho- touchdowns. Yep, yeah. So that kind of thing, and I think Dominique Young will will account for at least like a hundred yards and a touchdown of that mixture there. If you're uh, looking for a deeper pickup in Big Ten, uh, Kamian Patrick was supposed to play last week for Ooh, Indiana. Yeah. I don't think he did, uh, but he's he he's suited a, up. Yeah, he's a running back nowadays. He was originally a receiver recruit. Uh, Kevin Wilson, their coach, referred to him as, as as their best player, which is a weird thing to do if uh, you're not planning to give the guy the ball when he's healthy. Um, Divine Redding obviously has had a nice run here, but I think he's pretty limited in terms of talent. I, I think if Patrick is healthy and, and Wilson is not a spectacular liar they'll get him going eventually but that's that's definitely a speculative pickup yeah because because Redding is probably going to get stonewalled again against the Michigan State defense I mean the Michigan State's defense held Clement to like under three yards of carry or something yeah yeah and, and to be clear I, I wouldn't start Patrick this week I, it's like it's like it's a thing if you got up. the bench spot pick him up and see if see if he gets the opportunity and, and maybe when the matchup's better right but yeah going into the conference USA Put Mike White on the bench, maybe even cut him if you got him. It looks like Western Kentucky's going to do a rotation at quarterback with Yikes. Tyler Ferguson, which is not good. 
Uh, yeah. Also, if you got Ray Lowry, watch out. He's got a bad hamstring. That's why he wasn't playing much last week. It wasn't because Jeremy Cox is ahead of Ray Lowry. I think Ray Lowry is going to play in the NFL in some capacity. He's really good. Uh, Jeremy Cox might be pretty good too, but he's not better than Lowry. So, um, that he was getting carries over Lowry last week means that Lowry's basically not healthy. And right. There's no way to tell with a school like Old Dominion if he gets better before this week. No one's going to tell us. That's true. I think my my uh, my Conference USA start of the week is, is Ryan Higgins, uh, Louisiana Tech's quarterback. Double check on him, too, though, because he has a shoulder and groin issue. Uh, it's hard to find out confirmation on those guys. But, sure. yeah, he's, uh, Skip Holtz said that he thinks he's going to play. It's And it's uh, – yeah, that's unfortunately the best we get sometimes with these guys. Right? Yeah, that's that's all. That's all we'll know because you know. Uh, well, Louisiana Tech has, has some pretty good beat writers, actually. So yeah, Sean Isabella will cover them. Uh, it's just like sometimes the team just is going to not yeah, disclose anything, especially like by a time that's useful for your starting lineup decisions. Speak, speaking of which, I mean, and this is a team that that is well covered, Syracuse, but we don't know uh, what Eric Dungy's situation oh, right, is right, right yeah. now. Uh, he's the the sort of indication that they've given is is that he was you know kind of favoring his throwing hand a bunch during during the game last weekend kind of like shaking it off looking at it so uh he wasn't available to the media last night Dino Babers uh didn't say that he was going to say anything regarding injuries uh today um and then another injury to look out for I imagine that this one uh will keep him out for the week if A&M is playing uh but uh, Ricky Seals Jones, oh, right. his uh, ankle thing looked pretty pretty gruesome last week. Uh, he said that there was nothing serious on his Twitter, but like there's been no uh, scoopage outside of that as to what he's actually dealing with. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of that. Luckily, he's not really useful in fantasy anyway. So yeah, he's hopefully that doesn't switched hurt anybody. A little bit. Yeah, but yeah. Onto the Mac here. Uh, Tyler Conklin is is doing a nice Ben McCord impression in the Central Michigan passing game, and especially with Kroll being out, you could you would think that Conklin's going to keep getting targeted. Uh, I don't know his numbers offhand, but he's definitely been raking. Uh, among the tight ends he's one of the best fantasy tight ends through the first month so yeah go ahead take a look at him if if Corey Willis is available he's gonna he's like a top 10 receiver play for me this week with crawl out I I think Willis is more talented anyway and now he's gonna get the progressions and it's heavily in his favor I really like his chances even against a tough western Michigan defense because I think he might get like you know 12 to 15 targets just because central mission michigan's gonna have to be throwing with max aggression yeah conklin's averaging for a tight end over 15 yards a catch so that's, that's yeah he, he might mark. be like their number two pass catcher for he his is. for going forward so yeah. yeah it will be yeah looking otherwise at the mac i'm not really seeing anything that exciting uh, i guess keep an eye on Ro- rokeem williams to see if he's back if he is back he's good but i don't know much about what's going on with him uh mm-hmm. yeah and, oh, ian, uh like we talked about ian uh erickson would be a, a guy to look for in the mac as well. oh yeah I, I i really like ian erickson against the bowling green defense this week i liked uh kayvon maben of, of ball state against niu as well i think uh i don't love like what ball state has on offense for the most part but i love going against northern illinois right now yeah they're they're a mess it's 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 weird they've been so reliably good and they just are not anymore uh in the mountain west if terry and gibson i don't know his status for this week he's supposed to play i think he had a concussion and, and like a disciplinary thing that seems to get tossed aside immediately yeah, <laughs> they're like uh you're good yeah dude, they, don't we don't about care it. about that january th- we we you didn't even hide it from us we just hoped you wouldn't mention it to us um but yeah uh he, he should be uh, an asset going forward uh, you mentioned Lexington, Lexington Thomas, who's off to a fast start at UNLV. He's going against Fresno this week. And and uh, 
UNLV also uh, they lost their quarterback Johnny, Johnny Stanton, Stanton. so he's out for a few weeks. Such so a gonna, quarterback name. It is, a, and they I think they replaced him with an even like more like varsity blues name like Dal- <laughs> Dalton Steele or something crazy. Oh, like I think the, it's Sneed, unfortunately. Uh, close enough. I'm gonna call no, him Dalton no, Steele. That, that sounds more like a I don't know mechanic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, Lexington Thomas should should get the ball. A ton this week against a Fresno State defense that can't really stop. Keep an eye on the Fresno State quarterback Chasen Virgil, who's he's he doesn't have very good numbers so far. There's not much efficiency, but he's not turning the ball over. And uh, he was like a pretty high four star recruit. Like he had offers from like all the big schools, reportedly anyway. Interesting. Um, He went to Fresno, so he he might start developing quickly there uh, if his pedigree is any indication. I like that pick (coughs) as well. (coughs) Sorry, coffee good. And then uh, James Butler, you should always start him anyway, but uh, going against Hawaii. Just, oh, he's going to feast. Just do it. Yeah, he's going to feast. Uh, on to the Pac-12. Sam Darnold is your pick. I agree. He's gonna, I think he's going to tear up Arizona State. Yeah, I mean, he can, he can account for – he could probably even get two rushing touchdowns, like on top of like the 60 yards he's going to get on the ground, and then he's going to – you know, he's got the receivers to, to have a nice game through the air as well against that defense. Yeah, otherwise Utah running back Zach Moss, he, he's been running really well. California's pass defense is pretty good, but the run defense has been bad so far this year. So I think you got to like Zach Moss. Uh, maybe even that quarterback, Troy Williams, he can run a little bit. F- right. Former Washington guy, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, in the Pac-12, you got to pick up, I think uh, – uh, Dawkins, Arizona running back or sorry, quarterback. Uh, if basically, he's available. Re- basically gives you running back production. Yeah, we don't know if a new Solomon is going to start. I don't know how they can start him over Dawkins. Pretty sure Dawkins did get named the starter today. Okay. For, for at least another week, Dawkins is a guy you can at least stream. Yeah, he's he he. Uh, I don't know who they got this week. Uh, UCLA. It's not a great matchup. Neither is next week at Utah, nor is Southern California oh or Stanford <laughs> after that. But for your fantasy playoffs, it would be awfully nice to have Dawkins if when he's going against Washington State, Colorado, Oregon State, Arizona State in the championship week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he he also just looks really good so far. So it, his schedule might not matter so much because he he might just be a beast. I like that pick. On to the SEC, and John, who do you got? Josh Malone is, I think, the guy to single out among Tennessee receivers. I don't trust those other guys. They might have talent of their own, but Josh Malone, I remember when he was a true freshman, like uh, either spring or like summer practices, people were just like, oh, my, this guy's a first-round pick right now. And he didn't do anything the last two years, but now it's like a lot of the times that happens where people are like, this guy is so good, you can't even believe it, and then – they, they aren't that good. And it's Don't like, oh, well, field. it's not that you were wrong. It's that you were too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, touchdown in every game so far this year for uh, Josh Malone. Yeah, looking good. And, and uh, yeah, both both him and Juwan Jennings, they're a couple of 6'3 guys that are just going to give uh, secondary for Georgia a lot of trouble. So I, I can envision them uh, just sort of making these highlight reel catches over them. But yeah, otherwise I'm not seeing any obvious. I guess if, if Fournette is out, Guise. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do we know how to say it? I don't know. I say Guise personally, but okay, I, you I'm say Guise, I'll say Guise. Um, otherwise, uh, just uh, this one guy's been very impressive for Texas A&M, Travian Williams. Um, I don't know that they plan to give him any starter type workload anytime soon. They're roughly splitting the snaps with a. Uh, Keith Ford, but Travian's averaging a nice 9.7 yards per carry, which is slightly more than the 4.1 or whatever uh, Ford has. And uh, he's 5'9", 200. It's not like he's 170 pounds. So, uh, yeah, if they, they might they might not have a choice but to give him the ball more. And if he does, it looks like he's just kind of going to eat. Exactly. And then uh, wrapping it up with the Sun Belt, 
Yeah. Um, I liked uh, Jalen Moore from, uh, from yeah, App State. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, sort of to our point, uh, I think when we were talking about maybe the Conference USA or something, like it's hard to find some of these injury things for the um, – for like the smaller schools in App State uh, fits the bill there. But uh, Marcus Cox hasn't played uh, in a little bit um, since he got hurt against Miami. Uh, and He was on crutches at the game last week. Uh, okay. Jalen Moore is really good I mean, at uh, had, 257 yards. Yep, on 39 carries. So they're going to give him a ton of carries. Uh, they, don't, they might not even need to give him 30 carries, but he can, he can you know, put up a similar type of numbers, and he'll probably score more touchdowns this week against Georgia State, who's uh, just like dead last in pretty much any single uh, rushing defense category that you can think of. Yep, and uh, otherwise, not really seeing that much in the Sun Belt, uh, shockingly. Uh, but <laughs> you don't yeah, say. That's, a, that's all we got, I guess, for the season-long picks. <laughs> All right, so that finishes us off for today. We will be back again next Wednesday. Thanks to our again to our friends at the No Halftime app. Uh, this has been your re- Wednesday Rotowire College Football Podcast. Napa know how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.